I feel like a lot of times teachers, they don't help students until they feel like they've hit rock bottom. And then even when they're like, even when the students that have hit rock bottom, the way that they help them isn't really helping. You're just stating the obvious that I've hit rock bottom. Welcome to Voices, an audio storytelling series by the New Teacher Center. We partner with school districts to co-create thriving, inclusive cultures where all students and educators succeed in heart and mind. In our first few episodes, we're asking systemically underserved students around the country, including Black and Indigenous students and other students of color, students experiencing poverty, English language learners, students with learning differences, and immigrant students, to share their vision for what equitable education should look like. This month, writer Charlotte West sat down with two students from Chicago Public Schools, Grace Ayanna and Micaiah Cheeks. Both young women are part of the district's student voice committees, or SVCs, at their schools. Run through CPS's Department of Equity, the student voice committees aim to give upper elementary through high school students leadership opportunities, improve school climate, and foster communication between adults and students. Student voice committees also tackle student-led projects addressing issues such as gun violence and school policing. In addition to being active members of the student voice committees at their schools, Grace and Micaiah are also part of a district-wide high school leadership program, the Student Voice and Activism Fellowship, also known as SWAF. SWAF is a year-long program where students participate in an intensive summer of learning and planning and then take part in stakeholder meetings, conferences, and student-led events throughout the year. Grace and Micaiah have both been part of student-led professional development for adults. Grace and Micaiah are both seniors this year, looking forward to starting college in the fall. They shared their perspectives on how adults in schools can build trusting relationships and foster open communication with students and what they wish their teachers knew about them. This interview has been edited for length and clarity. Thank you both for joining me today. We could start with introductions. Please tell me your name, what school you go to, and how you've been involved with student leadership. Hey, my name is Grace Ayanna. I am a senior at Simons College Prep. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I've been involved with student work with SWAF and also like my SVC. I have done workshops with other SWAF members around um, the importance of identity and microaggressions and like providing better spaces for like student and adult allyship. And some, uh, and I've also like been a part of other groups to have open conversations on how we can like create space for adults and students. Well, hi, I'm Makaya. My pronouns are she, her. I am a part of the Student Voice Committee at my school and just like Grace, I work, work with SWAG. I wonder if one of you could explain what a Student Voice Committee is. Student voice committee is basically like a group of students coming together with like an adult facilitator to decide like how to like implement better plans in the school and also like take part in like not only the representation of the student body in our school, but also like provide ideas to help like admin with stuff that we want. And like it's basically like us representing the student body and making sure like our needs and like our thoughts and our opinions are also being heard and also like providing space for students and adults to work together. And like SWAF is basically Student Voice Activism Fellowship. And it's basically a group of students that come together 
to basically represent our SVCs. So do either of you have any examples of when a teacher has been able to really build a relationship built on trust, both with you as an individual student, but also with like an entire classroom? I, I talk about her all the time. My dance teacher that I sit to teach for, her name is Miss Kay. She has weekly check-ins with all of us, especially during COVID. She made it her responsibility. It was like a Google form you could put your name on to see if you wanted to check in. And even during class now, we have check-ins. Like We have fun questions like, if you're um, filling with a Jolly Rancher flavor, what would it be? And she'll answer the question too, which will let us see like, oh yeah, you're a person too. So this idea of sharing space with us instead of just making that space, but she also includes herself in it. Um, one of my favorite teachers, like um, this was something she used to do. She would like, she would always do this thing where she would like give us like a five minute meditation. And she was totally fine with this, like fine with the fact that if you didn't want to do it, but she would always give us like that time to like kind of mellow ourselves out. And like, because she was an art teacher, like she would always believe that everybody was an artist. So like, if you try to say anything like, oh, I can't do this, she would be like, no, yes, you can. I don't know. She just had a way of making everybody feel like they were special. Have either of you led any of the professional development workshops for teachers? Yes, I have been a part of the professional development for, for teachers, more so around working on effective communication with teachers and things that a teacher might want to know. Because ours was with the new teacher department, if I reckon, yeah. And it was things that a new teacher would might need or basically how to structure your class. What I took away was communication, really. Like, it's at the top of every list. Like, it's the most important thing, no matter... No matter who you are, it's not what you say, but how you say it. People can have microaggressions when they come to you and you feel attacked. But if, if you have effective communication, you can say, oh, that hurt me. What were some of the strategies that you shared in the workshop with the new teachers about how they could more effectively communicate with students? I am totally all for check-ins. I said maybe more so group conversations and sometimes allowing students to have that time together outside with you not in the room like for example one of my teachers she always she always she's pregnant so she always goes to the bathroom all the time but in, in her thing she'll tell me afterwards oh it's my thing that y'all have time with each other because sometimes we're all in a class with each other but we don't know each other or we'll see each other in the hallways but allowing us to build a community and then when she comes back she enters herself in that community and I would also say another thing we talked about was really having those conversations with your students about yourself, like letting them know you're a real person, like things you might do outside of school. Of course, there's boundaries, but little stuff. Sometimes I feel like when you have these, what's the word? When you have these people that are over you, have power over you, that's all you see them as, but you don't see them as real people. And then we, they bring themselves down to more so a level of them being a student as well, kind of, or being on our level as students. and saying like, hey, I'm a person too. What does student voice look like in an individual classroom? Oh, I love that question, by the way. I'm going to use that. I think student voice can be used in directly in a small, smaller setting classroom when teachers are allowing their students to actually have thoughts on what comes next. Because sometimes when we're learning things, it's just what the district says we have to learn or what the teacher says we're going to learn because they like this. So really saying, hey, what do you, you guys want to learn? So, for instance, in my civics class during COVID, yeah, like last year during COVID when I had my civics teacher, she had gave us a Google form of every topic we might have wanted to cover. And throughout the year, she made sure that she hit on 
at least some of the ones that we wanted to talk about. And I feel like that really felt like we were learning stuff that we can actually retain because I feel like sometimes we're learning things and it goes in one ear and out the other. But if I'm really interested in something and I really wanted to learn this, I'm going to take time to say, hey, let me sit here, pay attention. And I just want to get this grade, but want to get this grade so I can learn this thing and maybe share it to other people. Are there times in any of your classes where you felt like your teacher was ignoring you or not listening to your needs? When teachers kind of accuse you of not studying, that's been my biggest pet peeve ever. When teachers accuse you of not studying. So I can kind of give you an example of that. During COVID, I was struggling really bad in chemistry. I would tell him if he would record his lessons during virtual um, time so I could go back and look at them. And when it was report card day, he got on the thing with my mom and he basically was like, I think they just want me to record the lesson so they could watch him later and sleep during class. Like, he was just telling my mom this whole thing. So she just was like, actually, Makai has been really struggling in your class. And I told her to tell you to record the lessons so that she would have that help after class as well. So yeah, I feel like when teachers kind of assume they know what's happening with the student without actually ask, asking them, hey, what's happening? And I feel like a lot of teachers don't, if they do ask that, don't wait till you're doing bad to ask that. What do teachers need to do to be more approachable or make you want to take advantage of the help that they're offering? I feel like a lot of times teachers, they don't help students until they feel like they've hit rock bottom. And then even when they're like, even when the students that have hit rock bottom, the way that they help them isn't really helping. You're just stating the obvious that I've hit rock bottom. Like you're not offering any aid. You're not offering any ideas. We're just literally sitting here having a conversation about how I slipped and like how you you hope I can fix what's ever going on wrong with me. Like you're not even asking me. Yeah. I feel like sometimes teachers don't understand that you all work hard, especially AP classes. The work is very hard. And just because I'm doing great in it does not mean I know what I'm doing. I've been in classes where I could be getting A's, but I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing something. And that teacher is still telling me it's good. Sometimes it's kind of like math, how you'll get the right answer, but you don't know what you did. And then that's what that like method can kind of hurt you in the later because it's like, you can't just make your own methods in math sometimes. You have to follow someone else's. And sometimes it helps when a teacher is coming to you and checking what you're doing and making sure that not, not only one, you're okay, but you're doing it right. If you guys were going to design a college course for future educators, maybe in a teacher education program at a university, what topics would you cover in that class? What do you think new teachers need to know? So it would be called Amplifying Communication. And in it, we would just go over how to really monitor how what you're saying as a teacher and how that can affect students I'll say something that I'll think is fine but actually someone is somewhere hurt so knowing like sensitive things is really watching how you're presenting yourself as a person every day you're more than a teacher you're actually a human being the first week would be like solely strictly on microaggressions and identity and like the importance of that and then like maybe the next two weeks would be around like um student and like an adult um allyship and like the importance of that and then like another like another part of the course would be basically about like how to implement that how do we see that happening in classrooms and outside of classrooms and then lastly I feel like like to have like a cute little final or like a cute little midterm like we would like 
proctor that out. Like we would test that out and see like if that really does work. Like how would you implement that? And lastly, to like end it off, I think I would have like something around body language. Cause a lot of times I don't feel like teachers can like pick up on like body language or mannerism sometimes. Like sometimes I feel like they glaze over that. Like, because like a lot of times I I could see like like one of my classmates, I'm like, oh, she's not having it today. How you know that? You see the way like she's tapping her leg right there, like she's not having it today. But like I see a teacher just like glaze over that entirely and just like start like just like calling on them for questions and like leave that kid alone. Let them just let them sit in the corner for a minute, like leave it alone. You've mentioned microaggressions and identity in several of these different questions. I'd be curious if either of you has an example of a time that a teacher has said something that really sat wrong with you and how you felt afterwards. How did you approach that? Yes, I have an example that's recent. My One of my favorite AP teachers, he's been with me since freshman year. He was our history teacher and our English teacher. And so we were reading a history text and a slur came up in the text and he decided to read it. And we were mainly hurt because it was him. And because we all have the relationship with him, we all emailed him and we were like, hey, we didn't like that. This made us feel uncomfortable. And can you not do this again? And we told him, like, we love his class, but that is something we did not agree with. And he made it his mission that day to have another Google Meet after school and talk about us. And he was like, he apologized. And he was like, he didn't even, he was honestly like, he didn't even think it would be like something that that was that big. But he was like, now seeing our point of view on it, he really saw how we were coming from. So because we know them as people, we can reach out to them and say, hey, this hurt my feelings. And I feel like, I not only I admired the way he like came back and made sure that we could talk about it after, but also how how like he took account for what he did. Like he wasn't like, oh, I didn't do this or y'all doing too much. He really was like, I really don't know you all's experience. But what I can tell you, if this meant hurt y'all feelings, I'm sorry. So I think that a lot of people would think that that kind of might have separated our bond, but no, it allowed us all to get tighter with him. And we see that our teachers do make mistakes and that they're not perfect. Thank you both so much for taking the time out of your day for this interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing space with us. Thanks for joining Voices, an in their own words storytelling series by New Teacher Center.